interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. No human language can describe the disappointment I'm feeling right now. And away goes that disappointment. Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely downtown Halifax. Bit cloudy right now, but uh, all of the rain that we've experienced recently, well, that's in the past. Will there be some more rain in the future? We will find out more about that in about half an hour's time. For now... It is time to take a look at what is going on, what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net. Um, it is mostly Jason right now with uh, a new Let's Play, uh, Tales of Fantasia. There are two videos in this budding Let's Play, which was requested by Captain Raiden, and uh, as well as his Let's Play of Adventures of Lolo, two more videos there. Uh, Scarlet also brings us a new Let's Play for Diablo 2 Lord of Destruction, um, which is a mod, it looks like. It is uh, Path of Diablo. Um, so we'll see how that goes. There are three videos there to enjoy right now. Of course, the 365 days of the Super Nintendo is still going strong with the latest episode being The Lawnmower Man, which I believe he describes... Uh, being a bad game made from a bad movie but you can get more information from that very video as well as the six others that have preceded it throughout the past week and uh, as far as soundtracks the latest one being Kirby's Dreamland 2 uh, but there are still more uh, of those available as well so definitely worth checking out over at lowbiasgaming.net I would say so anyway that's pretty much what we got for the intro. Let us get on to some music. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
This is Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and that song was by Yukihide Takekawa and is the title theme for today's game from the archives. Money, the root of all evil. King Magrid sold out. Obsessed with the desire for wealth, he cut a dastardly deal with the ruler of evil. Now the frail empire is in shambles and you are chosen to save it. Free the kingdom's captive souls, teach the king a thing or two about integrity, rescue a beautiful maiden, liberate an imprisoned inventory. You'll boldly traverse the six complex stages in this action RPG. An array of weapons, armor, and magic are at your disposal. After After you revive the kingdom, you will confront Death Toll, then make him pay. And this is Soul Blazer, which is an action RPG game for the Super Nintendo developed by Quintet and published by Enix America Incorporated and released in 1992. And it is the first game of the um, of a trilogy that is kind of interesting. For one thing, uh, not one of the games has the same name. Uh, you have Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, and Terranigma, which are, I guess, spiritual successors to each other. They kind of follow in the same universe, but they don't exactly follow the same story. Uh, they have similar uh, play, uh, play style, though, which makes them close enough to be a trilogy. In any case, Jason has played this game. We have 17 videos of, available of the game on lowbiasgaming.net if you want to check that out. It's pretty neat series.
that was Question Mark Stage by Rock P. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And I have a problem. (laughs) You see, this is the time slot for news of the weird. But no news of the weird has been posted as of yet. They usually come out on uh, Fridays and there's nothing there. All that is there is last week's um, last week's stories. So I have a backup plan. I have a backup plan. No worries about that. What we're gonna do is we are going to uh, go back, uh, go back in time a little bit on News of the Weird. Um, I've dug up the News of the Weird archive uh, that would have come out. On the very first day of the, um, the on the very the same day as the very first episode of the sister podcast to Square Wave Symphony, which is Electric, Electric Leftovers by Jason Parton. Um, so we're gonna be doing that. I have actually reviewed these stories just to be sure because the system that I use to uh, scan these doesn't work this far back for some reason. In any case, some of these stories still may not jive well with all audiences. This segment's about 13-15 minutes long or so. Then take that as you will. Um, and the date on this archive is May 21st, 2017. Our lead story for that date, Pedestrian Calming. Officials in charge of a Beijing-Hangzhou Grand Canal heritage site recently, well, recently, installed speed bumps uh, similar to to those familiar to Americans driving residential streets, but on a pedestrian walkway with row upon row of risers to resemble a washboard. A Western travel writer, along with editors of People's Daily China, suggested that officials were irked that, quote, disorderly tourists had been walking past the ancient grounds too rapidly to appreciate its beauty or context. Sometimes you just gotta stop and smell the roses. I mean, what's, what's the harm in that, right? How about some bright ideas, guys? Sounds like a plan. We have uh, two of those. Compared to busy coastal metropolises, Indiana may evoke response, a uh, repose rather, and entrepreneur Tom Batista is suggesting the state's largest city capitalize on the sentiment by reserving a destination site on a low-lying hill overlooking the chaotic merge lanes of two interstate highways, affording visitors leisurely moments watching the frantic motorists scrambling below. He plans three rows of seats and a sunshade for the relaxed gawkers to take in the to take in the ocean-like roar and imagine overwrought drivers rising blood pressure with, while their own remains soothingly calm. Kind of an interesting contrast to that first story, isn't it? The first story is about slowing down and appreciating the scenery. 
The second one kind of is the same, but what you're appreciating is people going really fast and being frustrated in traffic. I don't know that this is the sort of thing that I would be into, but eh, you do you, I suppose. Our other bright idea. Several treatments are available to combat the heart arrhythmia atrial fibrillation, but all require medical supervision, which John Griffin, 69, uh, said he tried to acquire at the emergency room at New Zealand's Waikato Hospital in April 2017, only to be met with delay and frustration. Griffin went home that day, took notice of his neighbor's 8,000-volt electric security fence, and with boots off, in a fit of do-it-yourself desperation, nudged it with his arm. He got quite a jolt, but he walked away, and his heart returned to natural rhythm. The, media, the medical director of the Heart Foundation of New Zealand said that Griffin was lucky and sternly warned against the, quote, procedure. I mean, if it's an emergency... If you need a, um, a defibrillator right away, I guess that's one option. That's not the option that I would particularly suggest. But um, it's weird science. That's all I can say. And our next story is about weird science. Who would have thought? Medical researchers have been frustrated for years at failures in getting certain cancer-fighting drugs to reach targeted areas in women's reproductive tracts, but doctors in Germany announced in April 2017 a bold technique that appeared to work, sending the drugs via sperm cells, which seem to roam without obstruction as they search for an egg. The process involves coating active sperm cells with an iron adhesive and magnetically steering them to their internal targets. There you go. Our next story, news that sounds like a joke. Uh, our next two stories, actually. First, Sean Clemens, now, uh, well, then awaiting trial in Liberty, Ohio, in the death of an 84-year-old woman, allegedly confessed his guilt to a co-worker after telling the man that something was bothering him that he needed to tell someone about. But only if the co-worker would pinky swear not to tell anyone else. I'll give you one guess. The co-worker broke the code. <sighs> My goodness. People can't keep their murders to themselves, I can tell you. And our second story under this heading. In the course of pursuing claims against Alaskan dentist Seth Lookhart for Medicaid fraud, government investigators found a video of his phone uh, on his phone of him extracting, ex extracting a sedated patient's tooth while riding on a hoverboard. He had, he had apparently sent the video to his office manager under the title New Standard of Care. Lookhart had been indicted in 2016 for billing Medicaid $1.8 million for patient sedations unnecessary for the procedures they received. I mean, at least it keeps them from fidgeting. It's probably still not a good idea, right? Bad things can happen if you're not careful with that stuff. Anyway, our next story is about perspective. In April 2017, Tennessee State Representative Mike Stewart, aiming to make a point about the state's uh, lax gun sales laws and piggybacking onto the cuddly feeling people have about children's curbside lemonade stands, set up a combination stand on Nashville's Capitol Hill, offered 
mm, excuse me, offering for sale lemonade, cookies, and an AK-47 assault rifle with the sign reading no background check to distinguish the private sale AK-47 from one purchased to, from a federally licensed dealer. In fact, some states still regulate le lemonade stands more than gun sales by nettlesome, quote, health department and anti-competitive rules and licensing through uh, though Tennessee allows these stands in most neighborhoods as long as they are small and operated infrequently. Why are you regulating lemonade stands? I mean, let the people make their lemonade and offer it to the ones that are parched on a hot summer day. That's all I gotta say about that. Our next two stories, ironies, there are two of them, like I just said. Um, first, the Wall Street Journal reported in February 2017 that among the popular diversions when Syrian households gather to escape the country's bombs and bullets is playing the Hasbro War Board game Risk. Even though the game's default version contains only five armies, not nearly enough to simulate the many Syrian factions now fighting. I mean, I guess. <laughs> and um, our next irony story, the, par uh, the Parliament of Australia's New South Wales entertaining in February 2017 citizen petition to cut societal waste admitted that the petitions required 107,000 signatures already on a USB stick would by rule have to be submitted in hard copy and that is 4,000 thousand pages even though the pages would immediately be electronically scanned into a format for data storage well it certainly isn't a petition to save the environment because well cut societal waste so we're going to cut societal waste by creating government waste i guess Australia, what do you do? Anyway, people different from us. In March 2017, an electrician on a service call at a public restroom in Nusuki, Japan, discovered a crawl, a crawl space above the urinal area, which had apparently been a man's home, with a space heater, gas stove, and clothing. Investigators learned that Takashi Yamanuchi, uh, Yamanouchi, 54, a, hom a homeless wanderer, had been living there continuously for three years and had arranged everything very tidily, including the 300-plus plastic two-liter bottles of his urine. It is unclear why he was storing his urine when he resided above a public restroom. I guess even homeless people can have standards sometimes. I would have to question the quality of that restroom. Um, well, at least everything was nice and tidy. I guess. Our least competent criminals, there are two of these. First, not ready for prime time in March. WTTG-TV in Washington, D.C. broadcast surveillance video of a 7-Eleven armed robbery in the city's northeast sector, since some footage offered a clear picture of the suspect's face. Moments into the robbery, the man peered upward, caught sight of the camera, and shocked re uh, reached for his apparently forgotten ski mask on top of his head where, better late than ever, he pulled it into place. Well, 
I mean, at least he thought about it, I guess. Although it didn't really help him in the end. Another example of... Just don't do bad things. It doesn't pay off. And second story in November, three teenagers were arrested after stealing super fast Dodge cars in the middle of the night from a dealership in St. Peter's, Missouri. After driving less than a mile, police said the three had lost control of their cars, crashing them, including totaling two 700, uh, 700 power, 700 horsepower Challenger Hellcats. Kinda puts a different twist on the term get out of dodge. Hmm. Next story, no longer weird. News that was formerly weird, but whose patterns more recently have become so tedious that the stories deserve respectful retirement. And there are two of these. On May 5th, an elderly woman in Plymouth, England became the most recent to drive wildly afield by blindly obeying her car's satellite navigation system. Turning left as ordered only to confront a solid railing, she nonetheless spotted a narrow pedestrian gap and squeezed through, which led to her descending the large concrete stairway at the Mayflower House Court parking garage until her undercarriage got stuck. I wonder if she was using Apple Maps. And two police in East Palestine, Ohio, said the eight-year-old boy who commandeered the family car and drove his sister, four, to the local McDonald's for a cheeseburger on April 9th was different from the usual underage drivers in that he caused no problems. Witnesses said he followed traffic signals en route, which the boy attributed to learning from YouTube videos. And you're still driving without a license. But at least you're showing some good promise for when you do have a license. And if this wasn't classic, en uh, classic enough, this was back in the era when a News of the Weird classic was part of the News of the Weird. So we are going back even farther to October 2013. Imminent swirling vortex of damnation! Uh, land developers for the iconic Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, the inspiration for the hotel in Stephen King's The Shining, announced in 2013 that they needed more space and thus will dig up and move the hotel's 12 grave site Pet Cemetery. Another Stephen King trope. Neighbors told the Fort Collins Coloradoan in September 2013 that they feared the construction uh, noise more than the potential release of departed spirits, though an animal planet dog psychic who lives in Estes Park volunteered her services to calm the pet's souls. As an update, apparently it worked. Hmm. Well, there you go. Okay, so that is our News of the Weird archive for today, and hopefully next week we'll be able to get some more up-to-date news of the weird but for now let's take a look at the weather and this is definitely the weather for the coming week and not some week in the arbitrary past it is currently 11 degrees here oh nine degrees sorry here in halifax um and partly cloudy looking at periods of rain or drizzle and possible thunder shower tonight with a low of three degrees looking at about 5 to 10 millimeters, and wind becoming southeast, 20 kilometers an hour gusting to 40 after midnight. 
Saturday, April 27th, periods of rain or drizzle with risk of thunder showers and fog patches. Amount of about 12, uh, 10 to 20 millimeters. Wind southwest, uh, southeast, sorry, 20 kilometers per hour, gusting to 40, increasing to 40, gusting to 60 near noon. High of 14, except 8 along parts of the coast, and UV index of 2. Uh, and at night, periods of rain or drizzle ending in the evening, then cloudy, risk of thunder showers early in the evening. So, lots of risk of thunder showers. There you go. Uh, fog patches dissipating in the evening and amount of 5 to 10 millimeters. Wind southwest 20 kilometers, gusting 40 and the low of plus 2 degrees. Sunday, April 28th, sunny skies and a high of 9 going down to a low of 3 and periods of rain at night. That rain will persist for the day on Monday, April 29th with a high of 8 going down to a low of minus 1 and cloudy periods at night. Thursday, uh, sorry, Tuesday, April 30th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 10, going down to a low of zero and cloudy periods at night. Wednesday, May 1st, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 9, going down to a low of minus 1 and cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, May 2nd, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 9 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Let's get some music going.
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and it is time for gaming next month. Yes, it is time to fa- to uh, check out the new game releases that are coming up in May of 2019. Before I do that, just a quick little shout out to um, Blaze Wing of Blaze and the Trails Media, um, and I've, I've apparently joined the um, I've. I've become the first highlighted community member on her Discord server, so that's pretty cool. If you want to check out what she's uh, doing, and she has been on the show before in a few episodes ago, uh, you can go over to blazewing.ca. There is some video game stuff, there is some travel stuff, there's all kind of cool things, and um, yeah, go check it out. Tell her I sent you, maybe I'll get something. I have no guarantee that you actually will. Anyway! Video games. Um, we have for May 7th uh, The Legend of Heroes Trials of Cold Steel 2 on the PS4. Um, two releases on May 9th Yakuza Kiwami 2 and for the PC and Life is Strange 2 Episode 3 for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Three releases on May 14th, including A Plague Tale Innocence for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Citus Alpha, exclusive to the Switch, and Rage 2 for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. May 16th, we have one release, which is Bubsy, Pause the Fire. Great. Another Bubsy game. <laughs> That's for the PS- PS4, Switch, and PC. With the Xbox One, we'll hear none of that. Uh, Steven Universe, Save the Light, an OKKO OK bundle, will be coming out on May 17th for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. May 21st is a big day. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 releases. Uh, most of them for the Switch, but um, we have Team Sonic Racing for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Ob- Observation for the PS4 and PC. Everybody's Golf VR exclusive to the PS4. And four releases exclusive to the Switch, including Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered slash Liberation Remastered. Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 4, and Resident Evil 0. May 23rd, we have Total War Three Kingdoms for the PC exclusive. Blood and Truth uh, will be coming out on May 28th for the PSVR exclusive, as well as Little Friends, Dogs and Cats for the Switch. And the very last day, May 31st, we have Labis X Labyrinth XL Limited Edition for the PS4 and Switch. And Trover Saves the Universe for the PS4 and PSVR. So that is the current list of May releases. You can check out that list on Game Infor- uh, GameInformer.com. And did they shorten the URL? Is that really all there is to it right now? GameInformer.com slash 2019 is apparently all you need to type to find out. Uh, so that list can be updated at any time. Um, so yeah, we'll um, reconvene in a little bit to find out what is going on for June. But for now, let's get some music. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on uh, CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
That was X-Shirt with Theme of Unlimited Potential, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax. And today I want to talk about a game, or rather four games, but not really four games. Really, it's kind of two games twice, but different. Okay, I'm probably make this making this kind of confusing, but this will make sense in a minute. These are basically games that uh, have the same name and the same basic content, but came out at least a few years apart. So, just bear with me. Let's start with La Mulana. This is a Metroidvania platformer for Windows, developed and published by GR3 Project, translated to English by AGTP, and released on May 27, 2005. Archaeologist Lameza Kasugi receives a letter from his father, Shorn, telling him him a tale of an ancient ruin he found, which he believes to be the seed of all life on this planet. Thus, he travels to the ruin of La Mulana to see what can be discovered therein, though the ruins end up being far more threatening than one would think. As usual, let's start with the presentation, which is interesting. The game was designed more or less to look and sound like games from the MSX computer system, which was fairly popular in Japan back in the day. In particular, a lot of the inf- uh, the inspiration from the game for the game rather comes from an older game called Nightmare 2: Maze of Gallius. So, not exactly the most impressive thing if you're looking for the best in indie indie development at the time, but it's a faithful recreation of the games that you'd see on the old system. As far as the gameplay itself, the game world is impressively large. There are 10 major areas, each with a front and back side, and all 20 of these maps have about 20 screens each, for a total of around 400 screens. Uh, The game gives you an MSX computer and the ability to search for ROM cartridges, of which there are 84, almost all of which are references to classic MSX games. On top of that, where the MSX2, which comes later, can hold two cartridges, some combinations will have special effects such as to increase your attack speed or strength, increase your defense, cut down on knockback, or just kill you outright. Yes, there is a combination that does that, just the one at least. On top of that, there are a few dozen items to gradually open up the game, some of which are stowed in shops, others which are locked in chests guarded by fierce beasts, and others still that are hidden inside walls in the middle of puzzle rooms. There is a, a wide variety of challenges to face, and gamers from all walks of life will find something against which to bash their face for a while. The one big problem with the game is that it was made to be played on older versions of Windows. Trying to play it now, even with the use of tools such as DXWinder DG Voodoo to uh, wrap the old DirectX version to the to um, more recent ones, will result in some performance hits, most notably while fighting bosses. Some bosses can become near impossible to fight simply due to the fact that the player ends up trying to control Lameza at a speed of about 5 frames a second. And seeing as the game doesn't do frame skipping, it ends up taking an inordinate amount of time to get things done. Still, if you can manage to get it running, La Mulana is a nifty game to get lost in, and on top of that, it's freeware, so there's not much reason not to. Well, except the technical issues, anyway. Next, let's talk about La Mulana. This is a Metroidvania platformer game for Windows, developed by Nigoro, published by North America by uh, published in North America by Playism, 
and released on July 13, 2012. And well, I really don't have anything new to say about the story, it's largely the same game. So what's different? Well, seeing as uh, this is not free as its predecessor was, uh, there's a fair amount of polishing that has needed to be done. The music and graphics have been completely redone to match the sort of quality one would, would expect from a more recent platformer game, although it does lose that little MSX charm, but you know, what are you going to do? Appeal to the masses, I suppose. Any trademark names have been removed, such as the ones on the ROM cartridges. Instead, Lamez's computer is the mobile Super X, and most of the software that can be found is named after Nigoro's other games, such as Rose and Camellia, Future Development Company, and Miracle Witch. Some of the puzzles have been simplified a bit, and a few of them, which used to be one-shot, were redesigned to be resettable. Also, since this game was originally released on the Wii in Japan, and also later made its way onto the Vita, one puzzle which required keyboard input was replaced by a different system. That's more or less it in a nutshell. There's not a whole lot, a whole lot else that was changed really. Is it worth checking out this one if you've already finished the original La Mulana? I would say so. Although much of it is the same, it's still a fairly new experience with some quality of life improvements which might renew your love of the game. Plus, it'll run on modern systems, so there's that. Now that was a seven-year split, but I think I can do better than that. Next, let's talk about Penguin Wars. This is an, an action arcade game for many systems, honestly, though I'll be focusing on the NES board as I'm familiar, familiar with that one. It's developed by UPL, published by ASCII, and released on Christmas of 1985. Well, you don't see a whole lot of games do that coming out on Christmas like that. The premise is simple. You, pay, uh, you play as a penguin in a tournament. The game is also simple. There is a large table with five balls on each side. Throw all of your balls to the other side while avoiding getting hit by your opponent's throws. At the end of 60 seconds, whoever has the most balls loses. Also, if at any point either player has all of the balls, the round ends immediately and they lose. First to two sets wins the match. Now, the presentation for this game is pretty minimalistic. Graphics are pretty simple, pretty much just the table, the audience, if you're playing inside and uh, the players themselves, and of course the balls. Um, all competition rounds have exactly the same music and generally the same or similar setup. Some of the sound effects are a bit obnoxious, and there are also bonus rounds after winning a match, and the music and sound doesn't get really better. Pretty much streams budget title, but honestly that's okay. This is the sort of game you play for the gameplay, not the presentation. Now I've described most of the gameplay already, but here's a bit more detail. At first, only straight shots can be made, but after about 40 seconds or so, shots can also be thrown at an angle. There's also sort of a slinky thing which shows up in the middle of the field after 30 seconds, though it ends up showing, er showing up earlier the more matches are played, and that's there to deflect balls. On top of that, if a set should end in a tie, the next set will have a much shorter time limit and a bomb ball. Whoever has the bomb ball at the end of the round loses as it explodes in their face. After every match won, the player gets to play a minigame for bonus points. These include sort of a pong thing, sort of a whack-mole thing, and another one which just involves throwing bombs at each other rather than just normal balls. These are all played for points, so it's no big deal if you don't do well in them. 
The farther the player gets, though, the more chaotic it gets. Intrusive objects start showing up faster and more frequently. Balls start flying across the table faster. Bomb balls start showing up on every set. Things like that. But uh, all in all, Penguin Wars is a very simple game, and there's really not much to it, but it does what it sets out to do, and it's good at it. An ideal game for burning 10 or 15 minutes. Finally, let's talk about, you guessed it, Penguin Wars. This is an action arcade game for the Switch. Uh, developed and published by City Connection Co. Limited, whose first release was predictably enough City Connection, uh, but that's a, another story for another time, and that was released on to September 21st, 2017. The game has more of a story to it. Riley the Penguin is trying to get to Gear Gira Land for plot reasons, I guess, and the best way he knows how is, uh, to make money to get there is by engaging in the ancient art of Penguin Wars. I mean, it's been almost 32 years at this point. There's an there, That's ancient in a video game perspective, right? So what's changed with this one? Well, obviously the presentation has been heavily updated. The game is now rendered in actual 3D, which I mean, it's not actually impressive, but definitely looks better and probably is a little more accurate. They've kept the battle theme from the original, but it's uh, no longer the only song to be heard in the game. As a nod to the original, they did keep the whistle sound as a simple square wave. The game is no longer a tournament, rather Riley and his team, yes team, I'll get to that, take on all comers, trying to increase his rep in every area until he attracts the, the attention of the area's boss. Defeating them will cause them to join Riley's team and allow access to the next area, provided he has the money, which is also a thing in this game. There are a lot more details to this, but I frankly don't have the time to go into all of it. Um, so I guess I'll leave it at that. Anyway, this uh, game is definitely far more involved um, than the original, but considering it was a release on the Switch, it's something that you can bring anywhere you go for, um, for a quick round or two. I mean, you could do that with the Game Boy part of the original, which did come out in North America as King of the Zoo, but some people like that sense of progression that they only get with this new version. So that's about it for uh, reviews this time around. Always good to know that now and then, time and again, someone's going to care enough about these old games to make them available for a larger audience, even if it does take end up taking 30 years or more. Which reminds me, I should look into Bokosuka Wars 2. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
that was Jeff the World with Stylish Amigas from his album Playroom Volume 4, which might actually be a compilation album rather than his own, but you know, whatever. Anyway, that is rounding off the show for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. I had some fun. It was a bit chaotic for a little bit, especially with News of the Weird being oddly missing for today. But, you know, what are you going to do? Got to work with what you got. And I think we made it work. Don't you? I sure hope so. Anyway, um, before I go, I do want to remind you guys that next week is the CKDU Sustainer Drive. And I will go more into detail uh, next week about what that means and uh, how you can participate. But for now, remember that it is never too early to become a CKDU Sustainer. You can go over to ckdu.ca slash donate and um, help out community radio because it's a nice thing to do anyway square wave symphony is based on the format of the electric leftovers podcast by jason parton of low bias gaming lowbiasgaming.net news of the weird is written by the editors at andrews mcneil syndication news of the weird.com segment music composed by format madame Nimiki, nuri kikimikura simon whittington sean daly um, nifless and ensnare Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by the Witching Hour at 7 p.m. And at um, 8, I actually don't have it. I should probably have checked that in the first place, but um, there you go. Uh, I will get that for you in a second here. Uh, The Vinyl Factory, I believe, is at 8.30. Let's go with that. Um, comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Waves, one word on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time.